I actually do think it's important that you're just proud of your kids for who they are. So they don't think that they have to do X, Y, or Z to make you love them, to make them proud of you. I think what you and I are talking about is actual self-esteem instead of manipulated self-esteem. The only way you'll get self-esteem is if you know you're actually good at something. Like I don't think everyone could be an all-world Hall of Fame ex, but I'm sure right now someone's an accountant who could have been one of the really significantly top 5% auto mechanics. You know, you talk about it and I talk about it a ton taste things this is the Gary V audio experience Vayner Nation I'm pretty sure what I'm about to say is true Uh, the, the gentleman that is joining me today is probably the guest that has most been on my podcast in the history of my podcast I think this is the third time he's on my podcast I've been on his once. I don't think I have a three-time podcast guest uh, if anyone thinks they are please email me and I apologize but the reason is this is one of truly my favorite individuals that I've come across in my almost 30 years now professional career. Um, I, I, I like him, I like what he stands for, I like how he goes about his business and he's got a new book. When the team reached out and said, hey, Rye, podcast, what do you think? I said yes and, and it's just as easy as a yes as it comes, I'm excited to know what the new book's about. I'm excited that he's in person and not on Zoom because that's always an extra good element, and uh, that's all I got to say. So, Ryan Holiday, how are you? Dude, it's always good to see you. You good? You're the best, yes, of course. You, you've you decided not to age. Something that I noticed when as soon as you walked in, I'm like, this motherfucker looks the same every time I see him. I, I guess, you too though, you too. Get out of here, I got the grays. Um, but it's a dignified Thank way. you, I do feel a little bit more significant. Um, speaking of significance, I know that you won't write unless you've got something to say, so let's get right into it because we don't have a ton of time. One page a day, a piece of timeless advice that makes you better at what's obviously your most important job, which is being a better parent. I love it. So the Daily Dad. Yes. Um, 366. There's a leap day. Is you there? Got, yeah. Well, of course. So so the daily, when the Daily Stoke came out, I knew nothing about this medium, the idea of like a one page a day book. And... You know, you go, oh, there's 365 days in a year. But no, what if you read it in a year where there's a leap year? You, you got to service that day. Talk to me about this genre because I think yeah. that would fit my content well. I you think I'm crush. about to, yeah, I'm about to get excited here you right now crush. and come up with my next book. Dude, when, when, when my agent suggested I do a daily book, I said, why? He said, well, because people are interested in stoicism, but where do they start? Right? Like right. If, I, if I hear about Gary Vee, which of your books should I start with? It's not, it's a question you can't really answer. It's like when you're like, you hear a band. Which one should I start with? Yeah, like greatest that. hits. I like that. The greatest hits, and so that's what that's what the daily thing is. So daily stoic was one quote, and then a story each day inspired by stoic philosophy. This is the parenting version of that. Daily stoic sold almost two million copies now. What's that? The daily stoic has sold almost two million copies now. It's crushed. Good for and, you. Which I never would have expected. Went viral. Went totally viral because there's something not just about reading one page a day, but reading one page a day every year so books that you can return to over and over again are really really powerful i love that and there there's this stoic idea that we never step in the same river twice so the page is the same but we're different a hundred percent and i think it's it's the biggest people ask me all the time why do you feel why do you continue to make content and i'm like because i don't know if this is going to be the day where even though i'm saying the same 17 things i'm saying them in different contexts I'm speaking about current events, so it might hit a different about AI or blockchain or TikTok that was different than Facebook or search engine optimization. But I know that 
today might be the day. And by the way, I know that because I get dozens and dozens of emails and DMs every day yeah. saying today was the day. I've been yes. hearing the same shit about patients. I have no idea why this YouTube short got me, but it finally clicked. I was talking to one of your content guys and they were like, Gary says, I forget the number, that they're like, Gary says X things. He has like, this is the things that you do, but you do them when you're traveling, different places, the question's slightly different, what's happening in the, in the world is slightly different. And that's the same idea, that, that same, you've been doing this one riff for 15 years now, but because of what's happening in the world, because the, the yep. minute the algorithm uh, serves it up, it suddenly resonates with someone, also because there's this great expression, when the teacher, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. 100%. So you've been doing the same content, but the person wasn't ready to hear it. And what's been really fun for me in this last three to four years is I've sensed very clear self-awareness shifts as well. For example, in my last book, I spoke about having a real vulnerability around candor. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even know to talk about candor 10 years ago because I hadn't gone through the journey of the gray hairs of recognizing, whoa, this is one of my kryptonites in a yeah. world where I have a lot of success and a lot of happiness. Oh shit, most of the things that have not gone well for me professionally and personally was my inability to be candorous out of not being interested in conflict, which threw everyone for a loop that didn't know me because on stage, in podcasts, I can be very kind of direct and candorous. But in real life, when I love someone, my teammates, people I love, it was hard for me because I don't want to, I always thought that it made people scared. And so I had to go through my own journey. So that becomes a part of your content. So for everyone listening, we have our things we believe in, but then we also have our life journey which can add things to the repertoire. My wife said something to me the other day that's related to that, I wonder what you think. She said, we're being too nice and we don't have any room left to be kind. Hmm. I think what that is is like, she's probably defining that as the nice facade as an overreaction to the pressures of our society being quite not cordial. We've yeah. lost civility. Mm-hmm. People don't know how to have a civil disagreement. We've gone into full sixth grade mode. Yeah. Every single 40 year old is sixth grade now. We just make fun of each other on social media. It's absurd, it's devastating and I think I understand exactly what your wife is saying. It's, it's you know, what, where I think she's going is sometimes telling someone the truth is the nicest thing you can yes. do for them but we're all so politically correct if we're overly affected by the meanness in society. I'm so empathetic to what she said. I think she was also saying like, we're being nice to these people that we don't know and then we're not, we don't have any room left at home with our kids. Like we're well, being so nice that a, we're not, then we're, we don't have patience with our six year old because we used it all up. Well, you know, that's this a, call that was taken too long. I have this theory I've been thinking a lot about for taking the best people in your life for granted and mm-hmm. working on the people. So you're like taking the people that give you energy yeah. or affirm your energy for granted and you're spending all your time and energy trying to fix the people in your life that are sucking your energy out. Yeah. And so it's this is a scenario where nice guys finish last. You know, one of my I'm actually gonna make a t-shirt, nice guys finish first. Nice guys finish first is a piece of content I need to make immediately because I'm like really stuck on it. I've always said like the biggest bullshit statement in the world is nice guys finish last. Now I'm just like fuck it, I'm gonna brand it even further. Nice guys finish first, but in the micro, a place where nice people finish in a peculiar spot is when the people around them take them for granted because they've been so consistently good and you know, it's like one parent versus the other, one sibling versus the other, one relationship versus the other. At work, you're spending so much time trying to fix the bottom 20% instead of putting the energy on the top 20%. There's a lot of that. Well, I was thinking about this like 
think about all the nonsense we put up with. Like, we'll listen to someone's boring story. <laughs> we'll pretend to be interested in this or that. And then our kid wants us to wants to talk to us about some video game. And we're just like, I can't. It's so, like, Such we, a good point. we'll fake it with people who don't matter. And then we can't will ourselves to be interested or to put it in with the people who really do matter. Boy, do I love that. that it's taking it for granted. Yeah. You're taking your child for granted versus being civil in society because you want to stand up civility in a time where it's not. It makes so yeah. much sense. Let's get into the book. Yeah. So you went a little more, so when I hear two million copies, Daily Stoic, that can work for everyone. Yeah. You went with the Daily Dad. Yes. Instead of the Daily Parent. Yes. Talk to me through that. I decided to Because do... I know you. Yeah. I... And when I say this to everyone at home, when I say I know you, I've known O'Brien for a long time, then we serendipitously kind of interacted at a conference that led to a deeper relationship and I've really gotten to know Rye because he's you know now part of Vayner Speakers, our speaking bureau. We've gotten close. The best. We've done a, the best. Thank you. I, I, you know, fuck man, you, we were in the theater in LA, right? Yeah. I will never forget that day. I saw you there. Like we've had some limited interactions to that point and like every part of my spidey senses, we were just starting Vayner Speakers, every part of my spidey senses was like, this kid is like where I was. Like he's destined to be so much bigger. If he has the right partner in crime, we are definitely the right partner in crime at this time. And just watching you and Zach build your public speaking career has been one of the most enjoyable little micro parts of my business life over the last five years. It's been huge for me. I'm very, very grateful. So is my family. So I know you. You're yeah. fucking a marketer and an author. Yeah. And you got a lot to you. I feel like I do so I can sense it. You consciously decided to make the audience more narrow on this because I know you debated it, because I know you too well, you had to have debated it, at least in your mind, even yeah. if not on paper. Talk to me through that strategy. Yeah, right, Daily Stoic is broad, and then obviously there are lots of parents. There's not really any good parenting books for men. Most of them are terrible, they're patronizing, or they're written for women. But I did feel like, look, what good is it to be successful to have a broad hit if you can't use that credibility, that success, that relationship with the audience? to do something you really care about, Love. that you really want to do. And I've gotten better every day from writing the Daily Dad email and from writing the book and from making the content. So it's something and I needed. And, yeah. and, and again, if you don't use your success to make stuff, like Casey Neistat said this to me, we don't make art to make money, we make money to make more art. Yeah. Right? And, and I, I wanted to do it. So obviously I care about the book. I know it's going to do well. By the way, that well, line... But that Casey said to you is so right. Like Mr. Beast is living that at scale right now. Like all, like I've watched that whole journey. Yeah. Talk about someone who really lives that. Yes. And it's just so obvious. I he get uses it. the money to it's, make cooler it's, videos. It's why I think I'm a good entrepreneur. Yeah. I want to be an entrepreneur more than anything. I just need to stay, the money's the oxygen to continue to make up shit. Yes. And that's what, you know, that, that, when I say make up shit, that's slang for being very creative and coming up with all sorts of different things. But I would say almost half the audience of The Daily Dad is women. It's Makes just, sense. I'm writing it as a dad. I feel weird calling it Daily Parent because I, I can't speak to the, a woman or somebody else's experience other than my own. But I don't know, it's also like the Daily Dad had something to it that the Daily Parents. 366 meditations on parenting, love, and raising great kids. You know what I do when I sign it? I cross out kids and I write adults. Because that was one of the best things mm. I ever heard. Someone said, I'm not raising kids, I'm raising mm, adults. I like that. Right? You don't want a kid. No, I get it. Right? Like, I like that. Which one of them most hit you? So I think when I wrote 12 and a half, yeah. and I was like, I'm gonna put a half in there and talk about something I think is massively important to be a successful leader, and I'm gonna show my vulnerability yeah. so that people feel comfortable 
realizing some of the stuff that comes natural or I'm good at that they might be vulnerable and everybody has a half. Writing that yeah. made me better at can like it helped me sure. get better at candor because I was going through the process. Knowing that you take the process even more seriously than I do, at least from my perspective, which one of these daily meditations 366, like after you kind of thought it through or wrote it down or put it to bed, were you like, fuck, tonight, as to, right now I'm walking out of wherever I am and I'm gonna be better at this for my kids. Yeah, there's a, a line from Seneca, he says, we can't choose our parents, but we can choose whose children we wanna be. We can't choose our parents, but we can choose whose children we wanna be. So it doesn't matter where you came from, the flaws of your parents, the flaws of your culture, uh, the flaws of generations past, you decide how it's gonna be in your family and what you're gonna pass down to them. In his Broadway show, Springsteen talked about this. He says, we can be an ancestor or a ghost, right? A ghost haunts your kids, passes on generational traumas, bad habits, weaknesses, just our flaws. And an ancestor is someone that guides our kids, that inspires them, that helps us work through the past to be better in the future. And I think what I'm, what I think we're all trying to do is give the good stuff that we got from our parents to our kids, but also give them what we didn't get, what we needed when we were 10 and we were an awkward kid in glasses or we were lonely or we were artistic or whatever it is. We're trying to give them what we didn't get. How much, this just gets me to a thing that I'm spending a lot of time on. Why or how much or what do you see with the concept of victim or leaning into accountability. So one of the, I'm very interested in modern parenting. You know, it's so fascinating to watch so many parents execute exactly what they were upset about that their parents did to them onto their kids. I have so many parents, 30, 40, 50 year olds that I've interacted with that are are hall of fame at being victims. Mm -hmm. My parents, my parents, at 42 years old, yeah. at 52 years old, at 62 years old, at 29 years old. It's funny that you just went to where you went. Yeah. Where do you sit on like the modern world's lack of being in love with accountability and realizing they can control this? Look, the, the essence of Stoic philosophy is the idea that we don't control what's happened to us, but we control how we respond to what's happened to us. So what happened to you might have been unfair, it might have been awful, it might have been unjust, it might be something that haunts you to this day, but it's still on you to decide the end of that story, where it's going, right? So when I go to therapy, when I read books, when I have conversations late at night with my wife, when I'm thinking about stuff, working on, on stuff in my life, it's about being better and doing better. It, it's not accepting that the past dictates the future. And I think that you can, you can accept and deal with and process and articulate the things that you went through in life, but that doesn't change the fact that here in the present moment, you've got to do something about it and you can write the end of that story. How much do you think the judgment of others dictates people's inability to like change that perspective? I mean, isn't that the the real problem with parenting too, is that yes. everyone is thinking about what the yes. other parents are doing yes. and not what they think is yes. right or what, what's important? That's, that's everything. Yeah. Uh, to me, the keeping up with the Joneses and the judgment of the Joneses is the thing I think about every day. Yeah. Like I just, I am crippled by how many people continue to wake up tomorrow and do a lot of things singularly based on three to nine people's opinions 
and not their own opinion about themselves and their wants and needs, which is why I continue to talk about this concept of spending time with the elderly that are not your grandparents because you really start to get a perspective of regret that I think if you had that perspective, you know, it changes everything. I think a lot about like I wish I knew what I knew now, like everybody's life would be better if you were at 18, understood everything you would feel at 38. You'd be more patient, you'd be more, like you'd be different. And so I think one of the ways to get that is to get wisdom from others. And yes, I think it's the whole fucking thing. I I know this woman, her name is Dolores, she's 94. I, I call her my grandmother. And I was talking to her the other day and she was telling me her big regret was that when her kids were little, she took pride in how clean her house was. And she said, people used to come over and go, it doesn't look like you have kids. And that meant something to mm-hmm. her, right? And now we do this, like, we look at influencers. And was, and, her, the, and was her point that she didn't let her kids have a little room to play and her, get dirty? Her point was how hollow that seems in retrospect, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, like, course. let them color on the walls, make a mess, have fun. Yes. It, 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 Today, people are going to be looking at Instagram reels and they, they get a false version of what people's houses look like. They don't realize that just out of frame is all the same toys that are on the floor in your house. And so when I look at my house, I want it to look like I have kids because I do have kids and they're a central part of my life and existence. And I don't. And, and, and so when you talk to people who are older who have been through it, you can get perspective. There's this great expression that um, any fool can learn by experience. We want to learn from the experience of others. And talk to people who've been through it who are on way on the other side and you realize a lot of the things you're valuing as a parent, things you're feeling guilty about as a parent, things you're comparing yourself to against in other parents, they will not matter to you in the end. Not only will they not matter, they may dictate your behavior to something that actually creates the real vulnerability. Yeah. My argument is like, of course. Yeah. Think about when you're 17 what you care about. Grades, like a pimple on your yeah. fucking forehead, like what car. The other kids got like college, like all of it at 38. You're like, what the fuck? Well, what do you think is going to happen with kids? It's going to be the same game. Yeah. And you know, I think that the thing that I'm spending a lot of time thinking about is like, what are the mod mod? Do you touch on in the book some of the modern dynamics? I'll give you an example. I'm really worried about eighth place trophies because. I, not because I want to be mean to kids, because I think we've taught a whole generation that merit and the truth is not real and then they get into the real world and they're struggling with because they demonize losing. I think the concept of demonizing losing is very, very dangerous because then you're scared of losing and life is tons of micro losses and the quicker you can get adapted to it, I do see a very big correlation of people as elders being comfortable with micro losses. Mm -hmm. And I think when you take away micro losses, like it's okay if your soccer team sucked. It's okay. Like, and we try to do these things to protect and then in essence, it's like, you know, bubble babies and they get sick all the time, right? Or like zoo animals don't do well in the wild when you let them loose. Thoughts on that? My, my oldest is doing jujitsu right now and when he comes home, I don't ask him, did he win? I asked him what he learned, right? Mm. What did you work on today? What did mm. you get better at today? Yes. So it's, of course, competition is an important part of life and I think uh, telling people that winning doesn't matter is wrong, but also like instead of giving an eighth place participation trophy, why don't you just focus on what did you learn? How did you grow? Did you do your best? These are these are questions that allow your kid to feel proud of themselves without making up a reason to feel proud of themselves. And and what I also talked to him because when he first started, he was he was reluctant to tap out, 
right? And I go, it's fine to tap out as long as you learn something from that and then you get Was better. he willing to pass out? Because <laughs> yeah. he sounds like my kind of yeah. guy. <laughs> but, it's good. But, but the point is, you, you can't lose. In life. You saw uh, Giannis's uh, thing. There's no losing in sports, right? You get better. To me, it's a game in progress. Whether it's school, entrepreneurship, sports, art. One of the things I think that I'm fascinated by is we treat it as an absolute when they're seven, nine, 12, when in reality, a lot of like the end game plays out later. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, are you moving the ball down the field? Yeah. You know, a lot of that stuff came natural to me. I remember getting crushed by my best friend, Brandon. Brandon, you're gonna love this. So I crushed Brandon at every baseball card show we did. Like, we did like 10 baseball card shows freshman year of high school where like I'd make 700 bucks and he'd make 40. And I'd make a thousand and make a hundred. And this weird show at the Clinton, I will never forget this, the Clinton Holiday Inn off of Route 78. And somehow, not only does he crush me, but like a relative came early and he packed up early and went to Phillipsburg to another show to do buying because he had already smashed it. And he like beat me. He sold more stuff than me. And I remember like even at 14 being like, this is the best. Like, didn't need a single person of wisdom to say, like, you'll learn from this. However, I don't think I'm like a Cabbage Patch kid and came up. Clearly, the parenting I was getting along the way, even by 14, didn't even need my mom or dad to reinforce that. I was already there. And when I think back to where I am in this exact second of happiness and productivity, all of it, much of it, an enormous amount of it is that, yeah. and I'm very concerned that that is not a popular framework right now in parenting. And I guess I'm curious, how much or little do you touch on that overall theme in this book? Yeah, I, I think our job is to help them become what they're meant to be, Yes, right? It's not Love. to make them what they that. wanna be, to force them to like something, it's to find the thing it's not to give them a participation trophy in something they're bad at, but it's to help them find the thing that they don't want to be bad at because they love it so much love. and they're totally committed to it. That Your job is to help them discover that thing that lights them up, to find their people, right? This is my tribe. This is the thing I love. This is the thing and I can't stop. And not demonize it. And not judge it. It could be video games, man. I'm 35. Right. 36, for, as a 47-year-old, watching how many parents demonized our youth level, like don't get into rap, don't get into you know, uh, punk rock, don't get into video games. Don't all, I mean, do you understand at 47 how many parents were mortified that their kids wanted to cook? That was the help. Yeah. Meanwhile, what happened on the back end of that was the explosion of the Food Network and famous chefs. You already touched on it. Esports makes me laugh every day of the week. All those parents that took the Tony Hawks, because I always use Tony Hawk because he was the skateboarder of the generation before me. That happened more in the mid 80s. And like skateboarding, I remember when I was in second, third grade exploded. And like, that's not a profession, Tony Hawk. Video games is a profession, booga, ninja. Like it's so clear that parents, I love that you said that. I, I, I really hope we're getting closer to not the doctor, lawyer, engineer, go to college, or not be Roger Federer or Shaquille O'Neal, because the sports, by the way, one of the things that concerns me is the sports parents are now making their kids pick one sport by third grade, because they have a delusion that they're gonna be a fucking, parents, every one of you that are listening, none of your kids are gonna be pro athletes. None of them. Promise, if you're listening right now, zero. And by the way, if 
you actually have that happen, hit us up for better yeah. sports. But like, it's 99.9%, and so back to your point, there's kids right now in fourth grade that their dad is forcing them to pick a sport, even though they like playing football, basketball, and baseball, because the dad's delusional and thinks if the kid picks one right now and puts all their efforts into that, they'll be a professional baseball player. But meanwhile, they're gonna have to get Tommy John surgery by ninth grade or whatever, it's insane. You, you, gotta, you, you, you should cultivate a range of interests expose them to a variety of things, take them all over the world to every possible thing, have no judgment about it. And by the way, when people hear this, I apologize, Ryan. All over the world can be done virtually. Yes. A lot of people are like, all over the world, I don't have that. You're right. But with the way the internet works now, take them all over the world. Yes. Get into Wikipedia, get into ChatGPT, get into YouTube and show them the world. Show them the videos. And when they find the thing that lights them up, your job is to encourage that, facilitate it, Give them the kinds of lessons that allow that to be their thing. What is the, what is the, Robert Greene calls this their life's task, right? You have to, your job is to help your kids find their life's task. And that might be something that makes no sense to you. That might be something that's scary to you, that's weird to you. It might be something your parents, the grandparents think is stupid, which is killing a lot of parents that are listening right now. Literally their mom and dad is still dictating things to them because they're in that framework. I see that, the amount of DMs I get like Gary, you know, because the things I talk about. Gary, I think I agree with you that my son should not go to college, but like my dad is like a professor at Yale. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, we talked about comparing yourself to other parents. When I dropped out of college, my parents took it extremely hard because I was the first of any of their friends' kids to do such a thing, right? And the funny thing is, the thing they were so alarmed about when I was a teenager that I was spending all this time in my room on the computer that's what I do now. That was me finding my thing. And if they had taken a little more time to understand it and connect with it, it wouldn't have been as scary for me to drop out of college because they would have understood it and they would have seen what I saw in it or what it did for While me. While I'm on this subject matter, the biggest thing I get hit up by parents is like, hey, my son's like you. Let me give you the answer of what my parents did exactly with my mom and dad did what Ryan said, which is why I'm a happy person and successful at what I do. They said, okay, Mr. Bad Grades, this is what they said to me at 14. Now that you've proven that you're not gonna have a life based on the ease of academia, they didn't say it this articulately, by the way. They said, you will now work, yeah, and a lot. Like, cool, you wanna be an entrepreneur? You wanna stand, you will work and work and work and work. And so I think the mistake a lot of parents are making in my DMs right now is like, oh, my son's an entrepreneur, but they're like paying for the kid to stay at home at 20 years old, lay in their bed. Yeah. Make them, like, this is back to nudging in a direction to find, sometimes that comes also with tough love. It's not just like, oh, you love painting with spaghetti? Amazing, no, no. There's also like, hey, if you're gonna paint with spaghetti, you're gonna need to have, figure out how to sell your shit. You're gonna have some long, hard days. Like, you're gonna have to teach work ethic. One of my favorite stories in the book, Malcolm Gladwell was talking about, you know you watch an athlete and they bounce around from team to team to team and then finally it clicks and they're amazing? And he's like, these are multi-million dollar assets and the team can't figure out how to get them to be what they're capable of being. And he's like, but they try everything. They, they Performance coaches, experts, they try different rotations, they train them, everything. And eventually, in the right circumstances, at the right moment, when everything aligns, it's explosive. And he said, your kid is same this, thing. why can you not give your kid that same thing? Understand that just because they're not thriving in this environment doesn't mean they're not capable of thriving. It means you have to find a new environment, new circumstances. You also have to be patient and you have to believe in them and you have to root for them 
and eventually it will happen. But you, by making them feel guilty they or don't, shitty, they don't like it's not the, help. They don't like the judgment from the other parents, I know. brother. I know. Your parents knew you were talented already. They just didn't like the stigma of a college dropout because that. Luckily, some of this shit's changing. Yeah. I was just talking to a high school just now. Yeah. And like, just even their questions are like, sixteen-year-olds just like. Girls and boys asking about investment, creativity. Like I was like, this is nothing. Like yeah. there was not a. It's, the whole world's changing. The problem is you got to find that balance. I talk about purple. Yeah. In a with a with the way that our political system is now with red and blue. Find your purple yeah. for your kid who says, "Hey, mom and dad, I'm gonna make it on my own. Make sure they have work ethic because you can't make it on your own without it. So like, start making them uncomfortable or this, that, and the other thing. But like. And not have delusional conversations. Bill Belichick ended up not being a good football player. Yeah, he ended up being a lucky coach in the right circumstance with an all-time great quarterback. Or, he, or he'll prove over the next five years he is the greatest. We'll see, Bill. We'll see. He said something once where he looks for coaches and players that played D three, right? Because yeah. they played because they fucking loved, loved it. it. They loved the mud of it. They loved the pain of it. They loved they the loved grind it. of it. That's what you. That's what you want to. Back to the book. What else do people need to know about it? I make a big distinction between having kids and being a parent. A lot of people have kids, mm-hmm. right? Having kids is something biological, mm-hmm. it's something legal, you sign the adoption papers, but deciding to be a parent and to make it a central part of who you are and how you measure the success of your life, right? Like at the end of your life, are you gonna care about how much money you made? Are you gonna care about the awards you won, what your reputation no is? Shot. You're gonna look around you and go, why don't I see my kids very often? Why don't we have a good relationship? Why are we doing Why are we doing Thanksgiving alone? Or why is it a chore to get them to come home or to go to them, right? You gotta think about in the distant future, the way you're gonna measure your life is how crowded your table is. 100%. Right? And that- I've always, I, you know, I had a saying I used to say a lot. I was like, I'm playing to see how many people show up to my funeral. Mm-hmm. And the first people that need to show up are my kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like, it's a, it's a tremendous point. And ideally, they're around you before you die, right? Well, of course, to your point, like I've got some close relatives who are nicer to their parents' tombstone than they were to them when they were around. And I see it a lot. Russian culture had a lot of these negative relationships. Soviet Union wasn't the greatest box to play in, so I have a lot of empathy for my yeah. family history, but boy, is it right in my face. Yeah, and, and so if that's what's gonna matter in the future, think about what you're valuing today and is that in alignment, right? You think about the arguments you have with your kids about are they keeping their clothes clean? What is their, like, you, you're, you're sweating things that, 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 are, that are telegraphing to them what your priorities are when your ultimate priority let, is let, them. Let's talk about telegraphing. What about affirmation? Do you touch on the dangers of creating affirmation around silly things like looks or athletic ability or straight A's? Yeah, Do you touch on it? The Stoics make this big distinction. Is it in your control or not in your control? And when you think about what you compliment your kids on, what you encourage them for, what you celebrate, is it stuff that's up to them or not up to them? Right? If you go, you're so handsome, you're complimenting something that's not really up to them, and if they don't feel handsome, then they're not gonna feel valuable. But if you... What about them getting believing that, but then going through life and becoming vulnerable to what they consider themselves great for? Right. So I think about the other side, which is if like you're getting reinforced that you're handsome or beautiful your whole life, 
are you then prone in your late 30s, early 40s to start having a real issue as your body and your life changes and are you the ones, like that's a really tough thing to have your validation framed on because father time is undefeated. Yeah, no, what's beautiful, the Stokes would say, is is your kid making beautiful choices about mm. who they are, about what they value, about who the they have that around them. In. Yeah, so, so complimenting and encouraging them and noticing the things that are up to them that they're putting in the work on that's fantastic, right? Are they getting better? Did they try their best? Did you see them really putting themselves out there? That's different than, you know, did they win? Did they get the award? Whatever. I try to focus on things that are in my kids' control, and that's what I celebrate about them. But I also say to them, you know, as Mr. Rogers did, I love you because you're you, right? You make the world better because you're you. Like who you inherently are is special and wonderful. And that's, that's what makes you great. What about on the flip side? Do you touch on, in a world of all this awesomeness, when they fuck up? Yeah. Do you talk about candor with kids or do you, does the book touch on holding your children accountable in not creating a delusional framework that they're the best and they can do everything? Yeah, look, we all make mistakes and I think that's something we need to do better as parents, right? Like when you lose your temper or when you're distracted or when you break your word, how quick are you to go, you know what? I screwed up, that's on me. That doesn't mean I suck, right? That means I was- Sucked for a hundredth of a second. Yeah. Or it's a micro stink instead of suck. And then you're giving your kids permission to see themselves as distinct from the bad decision they made, the thing they got arrested for, the thing they failed math class for. You made a bad decision in that circumstance. That's in the past. So are you gonna make better decisions now? Are you gonna be closer to who I know you're capable of being? Are you gonna make amends with the people you hurt? Yes, are you gonna get back on track, back in the groove of it? Because I know that you can and that's what I love about you. Do you touch on something I found fascinating when two parents who are listening right now are not fully aligned and they play a ping pong of pulling from too far of an opposite direction instead of one of them seeing it and coming to the middle? Yeah, I think, you know, there's this uh, thing where you've got to back your spouse, right? right? But what if your spouse is the one who's having a (laughs) bad day, who's frustrated? And I don't think you do your kids any favor by gaslighting them and going, no, mom's being totally reasonable here. When When you know, you know, like you can pull your kid aside and go, look, I think she's frustrated in this instance. Or she's mad about that other thing, which is why this is happening. This is why this is such a big deal Do you think parents have an opportunity to talk more grown up with kids? What's your hot take on that? I, I do, I do, and that's what I, do I, too. I try to apologize. I mean, it's a balance, but. I try to apologize, I try to explain what's going on, I try to explain where my weaknesses are, where my flaws are, because I want to show that, like, they're, they're going to see some of themselves in me, of course. and they're also going to come to understand what it means to be an adult through me. What about when your kid just has the DNA of like a bad uncle, and it like had nothing to do with your accountability, like because Uncle Johnny was, and they took their DNA, like, what about really molding some of their bad be- I'll tell you where I get triggered, even the energy I just had the last two seconds. I just don't like being mean to people for no reason. Sure. And of course that comes from insecurity and you could talk it through, but what about like understanding that actions have ramifications and things of that nature? Yeah, life has consequences. We because when be I asked you earlier, you kind of went to like, yeah. hey, which is right, yeah. hey, look at yourself first before you tell your kids everything. What about if like, I mean, I'm just thinking about a lot of youngsters that I know right now, given my ch- children's age and just relatives and friends, and like, some people just come out of the womb different. Sure. DNA is real. Yes. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't I, think biology. I don't think biology is destiny in the sense that, it, that 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 there's anyone that's hopeless or helpless. Of course, I mean, you just talked about the thing I most believe in. You could have had the toughest 34 years of your life had the outside world judge you for your race, gender, sexual preference. You could have a human being grown up at 11 years old do something. You could have incredibly challenging life circumstances, lose parents. Both my parents lost a parent before they were 16. Like life is complicated. And yet to your point, at 34 you could just go therapy, listening to different stuff, reading different stuff, surrounding yourself with different people. People dig themselves out of these deep holes all the time. So to your point, when you're zero years old, you definitely aren't destined to have an issue. I'm asking for the parents that are listening right now, which I have a lot of this audience, who are uh, very risk adverse and they have an entrepreneurial 11 year old, or yeah. both parents just happen to be the sweetest kind of simple and their kids are what bullying the fuck out of people because they just took, like, what do you do when you're like, whoa, neither one of us here like this kid. Yeah. How, what are your thoughts on that? Right, you got two extra, extroverted parents and then you got an introvert of a kid right. or vice versa. Yeah, I love that shit. I, I, I love that too. That's what, <laughs> that's what makes life interesting, yeah, yeah. right? Like if everyone was just like everyone else. Sucks. And so you got you to gotta understand who they are and you got to understand what makes them great. And your job, I heard this great distinction. Are you a carpenter or are you a gardener, right? A gardener prunes, pulls weeds, right? But they don't. They can't build it into what they want it to be. So you got to find out who they are, what their destiny is as that seed, and then you got to help it succeed. But also get rid of the get rid of the stuff that shouldn't be there too. You know what I mean? Of course I do. I mean, I, look, people ask me all the time. They're like, "Do you want your kids to be entrepreneurs?" I'm like, "Only if they want to be." Yeah. Like you wouldn't I, want them to be an entrepreneur if they didn't want to be I'm an entrepreneur. Pe- as a matter of fact, I'm petrified yeah. they would ever consider it because I was one. Yeah. I want them to like their thing the way I love my thing. Mm-hmm. Even if it was like, I wouldn't want them to be a Patriots fan, but like, <laughs> like, but like, like, it's just so obvious to me that like forcing someone to be what you want them to be is like the worst for an employee or a friend. For a child, it's, that's bad to do it for your siblings or your buddy. Yeah. Like forcing round holes into square pegs, especially out of your own insecurities, is the big flaw of modern parenting and historical parenting. And it's, it's not gonna work. They're gonna resent you for it It's later. gonna, gonna never hold work. They're gonna you later. Even if they, even if they, look, what's the best case scenario? You're, you, you create a Tiger Woods, right? And then he hates you for making him Tiger Woods, right? It's not going to be worth it. And by it. the way, for Tiger Woods is on such a like, like, do you know how many doctors, lawyers, and engineers actively are that right now? Actively right this second. Yeah. Tens of thousands of people over the next five years will listen to this exact podcast and this exact moment, they're 39 years old, making a ton of money, it all looks good, and they are pissed like all the way through because they never tried to be an Olympian or they didn't get to become a chef or they never tried to be an archer. Well, and this is why I actually do think it's important that you're just proud of your kids for who they are, right? That, That coming out of the womb, you're proud of them, you love them, you think they have worth, so they don't think that they have to do X, Y, or Z to make you love them, to make them proud of you, that they don't have to follow in your footsteps because that's the only way they're 100%. gonna win your good graces or, or get time with you by, by, yeah, yes, it's true. There's too much participation trophies, maybe too much self-esteem nonsense, but if you, let your, if you support and love your kids unconditionally and let them know that they have worth, they'll follow their own and, path. And by the way, Self-esteem needs to be like really contextualized. I think what you and I are talking about is actual self-esteem 
be, instead of manipulated self-esteem. Yes. The only way you'll get self-esteem is if you know you're actually good at something. Yeah. Like, like so find, like, I really do think every, per, do I think every person is born and could be phenomenal at something? I'm not sure. But boy, do I believe out of the eight billion people on earth walking around, the far majority never found the thing that they were most capable of. Yeah. Meaning like, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't think everyone could be an all-world Hall of Fame ex, but I'm sure right now someone's an accountant who could have been one of the really significantly top 5% uh, auto mechanics. Like we're yeah. just not exploring. You know, you talk about it and I talk about it a ton, taste things. Yeah. We're creating more frameworks to letting kids taste things. And the funniest part is if you just watch your kid, you don't even have to do this work, everyone. Yeah. Ironically, your kids will show you. Yeah. Somewhere between eight and 15, they're gonna start gravitating towards interests. They're showing you in their face that they think carpentry is amazing or they wanna be a lawyer. Like all you have to do is be open to what they're telling you. And by the way, you said something powerful. When you were just talking around, I was like, right. Every parent loves their kid to death at six months. They haven't done shit yet except poop, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, but you fucking love them somewhere along the way. You start creating expectations. It becomes and it, conditional. Of course, and all based on your own fucking bullshit insecurities, worrying about what your neighbors think if your kid's going to fucking Ivy League school or how many goals they scored in fucking lacrosse. You fucker. No, and they're gonna, it's not going to work. Right? Ever. It's not gonna work. And look, they might become a powerful lawyer or a great whatever, but if, if it doesn't mean something to them, it will feel empty and meaningless and they'll find some way as Tiger Woods ultimately did to act out, to undermine it because they weren't doing it for them. Boy, do I believe. Let's wrap us up. What else, uh, what else should we touch on in the last couple of minutes here? Anything we didn't touch on naturally in our flow? I think we, I think we crushed it, man. We always just talk. You. <laughs> yes. you know, like I always feel like I always love this because it's always so different because I really enjoy talking to you because I do think we share a lot of views and we have different tweaks and turns on it, but like, the, you know what I love about you and what I loved about this conversation? I hope everybody understood, this was a massive conversation about love. Yeah. You know, Such good intent, this is so powerful. The, the last thing you know you talk about, you're gonna die. And people yes. need to realize the shortness of life. That doesn't just apply to you, that applies to the people you love also, right? Yes. No one's here forever. We don't know how long we have with them, they have with us. The other thing about kids is, Growing up is a process of dying. You'll never be a two-year-old again, a three-year-old, right. a four-year-old. Cool. And so you've got to, can, you can be so busy as a parent, you're rushing through things like bedtime. You're like, it's got to take this window to this window. And you're rushing to what? Answer fucking email to, to catch, you know, to catch some. Ted Lasso. Some, yeah, to, to stream which some you, show. Which, by the way, I know you need parents. Like, sure. we all need escapism. But to your point, I'm already in it. Like, you're not, there's no time machines. Yeah. For everybody who's got a 15 year old right now, just think for one second, how much would you pay for them to be six again? For a lot of people, they might say, nah, fuck it, I'm happy. But like, for a lot of us, it's like, fuck, those are special times. I can tell you right now, all you, all you girl dads, like, shit starts happening at 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Friends become their world. They start becoming a woman and mom become, like, all of a sudden, that little six year old that wanted to cuddle with you all the time, like, you won't see them for a decade according to parents that are ahead of you, that blows. You're rushing through the thing you're going to miss more than anything 100%. in the world. 100 fucking percent. I hope this brought some value to everybody. Please go out, is the book out? Yeah, comes out tomorrow. Book 
is out by the time you're listening to this. You know how to find him, it's all on Amazon. Just search uh, or, or the other platforms. The Daily Dad, Ryan Holiday, always a pleasure. Dude, thanks. Love you.